You are listening to Herpes 101, the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. My name is Richard Mancuso, and today on episode five, we're going to talk about what is the difference between herpes type 1 and herpes type 2. Okay, before we answer this question, it's important to mention a few misconceptions that people have about herpes, especially when they hear the word herpes out loud. Many people are under the assumption that herpes on the mouth is not so bad, but the herpes down below is the one to fear. But nothing could be further from the truth. The the reason is because they're basically the same. So when it comes to herpes simplex, herpes is herpes. While it's true that there are some slight variations, genetically speaking, these viruses are basic viral twins. Kind of more like cousins, technically speaking, but you get the point. Basically, HSV type 1 and type 2 are nearly identical. They share 85% of the same matching base pairs of genes. Both type 1 and type 2 encode the same number of proteins. They share an identical life cycle. They infect the same cell types, epithelial cells and mucosal epithelium, and are essentially the same. However, even though they can both infect the same type of tissue, epithelial cells and mucosal epithelium, basically any of the pink parts of your body, your mouth, your eyes, your nose, the vulva, the vagina, the anus, the urethra, just as a few examples, in a person who is already infected with type 1, Type 2 may have a difficult but not impossible time causing an infection or resurfacing. This is especially true since most people already have a pre-existing infection of type 1 by the time they hit grade school. Not everybody, but a great deal of people. Whereas type 2 is acquired typically later in life after sexual maturity. Now it's true that your personal experience with the virus ultimately depends on your immune system's response to the very first exposure and any reoccurring episodes of symptoms. However, how type 1 and type 2 behave has been measured by science. HSV type 2 replicates much faster in about 18 to 20 hours, but produces a lot less amount of virus than HSV type 1 does. HSV type 1 is much slower to replicate in about 48 to 60 hours, but releases much more virus than HSV type 2. I'd like to read a quote here. So, HSV 2 replicates more quickly, yet produces fewer virons than HSV type 1. This quicker replication of type 2 causes greater cytopathic destruction and induces a greater immune response. The end result is a more vigorous blister formation which is the size difference. Now, that quote is actually from Dr. Josh Gelt, who is a friend of mine, and, well, he knows a lot more about herpes than I do. (laughs) So, why does this happen? Well, it's due to the competition between type 2 and type 1, and how type 2 has adapted 
the ability to infect another person with a pre-existing condition of type 1. Still, looking at these two viruses side by side, they're basically viral twins, technically more like cousins, but... So, does it really matter whether you have type 1 or type 2? Well, that's a good question, but it really depends more upon your immune response to the virus. There are many people who carry type 2 and have no symptoms whatsoever. Here's another question that pops up. Does HSV type 2 prefer the genitals? If you spend any time looking up information on herpes, you will see many websites that state that type 2 prefers the genital region. This layman's term has been around for a while, and it's not a great way to describe what is happening here. If you were to speak to an evolutionary biologist, an epidemiologist, a scientist, or any people who have been working on herpes for the last 25 years, many would agree that it is not a preference, but an adaptation, one that started millions of years ago. Remember when we talked about competition between type 1 and type 2? Well, due to this taking place, type 2 has adapted the ability to infect the genital region more aggressively in order to infect a host that is already infected with type 1. This was to outcompete the immune response that is already established against type 1. It's basically what viruses do. They compete for survival. In the end, saying one is better than the other is somewhat silly. In the grand scheme of things, herpes is herpes, regardless of its type and its location. This adaptation that we speak of is because these two viruses have evolved independently of each other to ensure that they can simultaneously infect a single host, but they still share many of the same behaviors and modes of infection. It is also important to note that most of the population that has been exposed to herpes simplex will not always react or see extreme symptoms. Some may never see any symptoms or outbreaks at all. Most people that have a favorable immune response may notice something, but they may write it off as just a pimple or a weird rash, and they never even give it a second thought. Pretty crazy, right? Now, we can't bring up adaptation or evolution without talking about monkeys, apes, and chimps. Right? I mean, <laughs> be kind of silly to leave them out, especially considering when it comes to herpes simplex, they have a very integral part of the story. Some scientists believe that at one time, the herpes simplex virus was a single virus. Somewhere throughout its lifetime, the virus split into two, type 1 into the family branch of hominids and type 2 into the family branch of chimpanzees. But much later, the virus made its way back into the homo sapien family branch. Now, I know that's not an exact description. I'm just trying to give you a, a brief idea. Now, 
There is some new science to suggest that type 1 was specific to the family branch leading up to Homo sapiens, and type 2 was to the same as to leading up to chimps. This would infer that type 2 was introduced to the family branch of Homo sapiens from chimpanzees much later. Somewhere between 3 to 1.4 million years ago, type 2 jumped the species barrier from African apes back into human ancestors, probably due to wild animal instincts of rape, biting, butchery, and all that fun stuff. So here's a few quotes that you can find the links to on the article that I actually wrote about this. The researchers compared the HSV-1 and the HSV-2 gene sequences to the family tree of simplex viruses from eight monkey and ape host species. Using advanced models of molecular evolution, scientists were able to more accurately estimate the ancient viral divergence times. This approach has allowed them to determine when type 1 and type 2 were introduced into humans with a far more precise than standard models that uh, they, they do not account for natural selection over the course of viral evolution. The genetics of humans and primates, herpes viruses, were examined to assess their similarity. It became clear that type 1 has been present in humans far longer than type 2, promoting the researchers to further investigate the origins of type 2 in humans. The family tree showed that type 2 was far more genetically similar to the herpes virus found in chimpanzees. The level of divergence indicated that humans must have acquired type 2 from an ancestor of modern chimpanzees about 1.6 million years ago prior to the rise of modern humans, roughly 200,000 years ago. Yeah, pretty crazy, right? Now that I have completely given you a migraine with all of this information, hopefully not, but hopefully I've given you something to think about. So that leads us to something else. And this is one part of the equation that I find very interesting. Does having one type of herpes protect you from getting the other? Yeah, it's a good question. Here's, here's the science behind it. According to the studies and the data, if you already have a pre-existing infection of type 2, but you have never been exposed to type 1, the chances of you catching type 1 are highly improbable. In fact, some scientists have even said it's pretty much close to being impossible. However, according to the data, the opposite of this scenario seems to be true. If you have a pre-existing infection of type 1 and have never been exposed to type 2, the risk of catching type 2 will, in fact, be present. This can also apply to being exposed to another strain of type 2 or another strain of type 1. Most people don't know this, but type 1 has several different strains and type 2 also has several different strains. That's a much more complicated question. I wrote an entire article on it you feel free to check it out. Still, I think it's important to emphasize that this answer may never be 100% absolute within the population of seropositive individuals. An example of this 
um, where the probability could exist would be an individual becoming exposed to the opposite type or strain of herpes when they have an autoimmune issue or they are severely immunocompromised. But I digress. I realize there's a great deal of scientific information to absorb. I will officially apologize for your current migraine. And I hope this information has helped you in some way to be able to understand the similarities and the differences between type 1 and type 2. And with any luck, I hope it helps you understand your diagnosis just a little bit better. And uh, thanks for listening. This is Herpes 101, the podcast.